Hello, hello. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host with the most, Austin Mars, and I'm here with a very dear friend of mine named Ryan Wilson. Ryan, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell the people about you. Hey guys, yeah, my name is Ryan Wilson. Um, I have been the guy behind the camera uh, for the past <laughs> few videos and I'm running production and whatnot. Um, so yeah, today I'm on here because we started decide uh, <laughs> we started to go with a different approach towards how we wanted to do the podcast, kind of have it more conversational. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems to be more what the people are looking for and. On top of that, it's always good to have productive conversations. So, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Plus, it's always really hard to have to talk for thirty minute thirty minutes uh, to a camera with no interaction. So, it's always I believe, I believe it'll be an improvement for the podcast to have some conversation and we'll have some laughs and be a lot more fun for the viewers viewers as well. Absolutely. Hopefully it'll also help us. We'll just get out more content uh, for you guys, and on top of that, it'll cut, uh, cut out a lot of editing for me as well. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so oh man, uh, how's your week going, bro? Week going good? School? It's going. Um, yeah, been real busy. Um, life's hit a lot of curveballs, and school is always uh, very was here at Southeastern and um, paper after paper uh, <laughs> work, you know, day after day. And, you know, it's, it's hard working as much hours as we do on top of full-time school mm-hmm. and then multiple outlets of um, the things that we do in our free time, um, you know, whether it's with our significant others or discipleship or this podcast or other podcasts we get featured on or whatever else it is but um but yeah so life's been busy but it's good um it's good to be busy and productive 2019's been fun so far yeah i know i always uh, i was talking to uh, uh my friend that's been that disciples me you were talking about being in school and working we were both like, yeah, I have no pity for people who are in school and have no jobs. Because <laughs> they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so busy. I'm like, no. No, <laughs> you don't even know what busy is. But I mean, yeah, it's hard. It's I found it, it's, it's a fun challenge. And it's something I'm glad that my parents taught me. Because um, I've, been, I've been working ever since I started college. And it's a valuable lesson that I think that's preparing me for ministry as well, because like in ministry, you have to learn how to balance your time well. And so, you know, right now I'm balancing time with school, with work, with the podcast, with my girlfriend, with my my close guy friends, just like trying to balance all of that. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge. It feels like, you know, you're juggling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of that, that, that brings something to my mind that, that's been a frequent conversation we've been having. I guess since we're kind of just going with it today, and yeah. we can go off track for just a little bit since we haven't really got on it. Yeah. But um, this, this is a big conversation I've been having with a lot of guys um, that I disciple and those that disciple me, and just um, specifically uh, your time management once it comes to a significant other and making disciples. 
Um, and so I, I don't know. I just want to kind of hear your take on that, your struggles. I mean, because I, I know I've been like, I've been having to balance that. It's been taking a lot of uh, time and <laughs> many conversations with uh, Paige and kind of figuring out, you know, how, how to best maximize the time that you're honoring Christ and uh, through, you know, relationships and, but also maximizing that time um, through discipling younger men. So, yeah. So um, that's something I'm actually very passionate about. And it's something that, me and my girlfriend Anna that we both try to do we both try to balance the time we spend with each other to the point where we're spending enough time with each other but we're also taking time to uh, disciple those that are younger than us and um, and be discipled by other people mm-hmm. um, because I, I mean I believe that discipleship it's it's not you just teach a younger person you both learn from each other and but um, yeah so I mean, that's something I try, to do. I try to make sure that I mean me and Anna are both fairly independent people and so like we don't have to be around each other 24-7 mm-hmm. um, first of all I don't think that's wise for couples to do that right <clears throat> I think it can that can lead you into sin if you're not careful um, and I also believe that you're going to lose a lot of friends if you just spend all your time with that one person. <clears throat> and so, like, there's some days where there's some days where me and Anna will just spend a little bit of time together, and there's some days we'll spend all day together. We just we try to balance it out, and I try to make sure that I spend enough time with her to make sure that uh, I'm loving on her. <clears throat> but at the same time, making sure that maybe I'm I'm in my in the dorm by like ten. And that way I have time to talk to the guys in my dorm before they go to bed. Um, yeah, what's your take? Yeah, um, I know I've, I've felt like I've lost a lot of um, spiritual mentors or uh, role models in my life because they'll, they'll, um, you know, they'll be full head-on discipleship, and then all of a sudden they, they hit the serious relationship. I guess this is where my, I'm seeing a problem and I know it needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think it's something that we just have to be stuck with in the evangelical realm. But to see these guys um, get a significant other and uh, you know they they go down the honeymoon uh, phase and then you know as soon as the honeymoon phase and they're like oh man I want this again you know I need that reality so then proposal you know and then marriage and then you know at that point like I've been engaged once. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which that's been gone now. Um, lost that one, but uh, <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> didn't mean to bring this up. But anyways, what I'm trying to say is that trying to bring your bad yes. <laughs> I know how crazy engagement can be, and um, <laughs> and uh, how time consuming it can be, but um, you know, during that time. You know, we, we still can't forget the community around us. Yeah, you know, there's, there's definitely there's... seasons of life, but Christ calls us to make disciples of all seasons and um, and to continue the fellowship with those that are in our believing community. And, uh, yeah, so I think I've been seeing this problem where honeymoon phase, engagement, early marriage, and then for some reason later down the road even, um, <laughs> well, you know, we're not making disciples during mm-hmm. that time. We're spending so much time 
with you know the people that we do value, which is good. But right. you know, I think at the end of the day, everyone is called, whether you're single, uh, um, whether you're called to singleness, whether you're married, whether you're engaged, we're all called to one mission overall, and that's mm-hmm. to make disciples. And then everything else falls in under between, you know, under and between that. Yeah. Um, so I just, I think, yeah, I've been having a lot of conversations on how, you know, how we make sure to keep blockades there from, like, going away from it. Mm-hmm. Something that me and me have talked about, um, <laughs> something we kind of laugh about, and it's that we both realize that likely we're going to end up spending the rest of our lives together, Lord willing. And we right now we should enjoy the time of singleness that we are in because eventually we're going to get, we're, there's going to come a day where we're, not, we're we're going to get tired of seeing each other, <laughs> and so like we're just like taking advantage. I mean, that sounds bad, but it's, it's, it's taking advantage of, even though we're in a relationship, we're still technically single, mm-hmm. we're not married, and so we need to take advantage of that time. And because like we have a whole lifetime, Lord willing, of course, to spend with each other. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, might as well use the time that we have now being single, because I think singleness goes far beyond not being in a relationship. I think it's... Yeah. The singleness period of not being married, right. take advantage of that because, you know, you you only have that for a short period of time because you got to think probably more than two thirds of your life, you're probably going to be married to somebody or at least half your life. Right. And right. so, um, yeah, yeah, I feel like it's really important to work hard and balancing time, um, obviously not neglecting your partner, but at the same time, making sure you're spending adequate time with them. It's, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a tricky, yeah. tricky, um, what's word looking for? Tricky dichotomy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that. It is. I think that's perfect. <coughs> yeah, I've seen that, man. And it's really, it's really like that season you're talking about, like not even, not just being single, but like it's more not, you know, being in a relationship, not being married, mm-hmm. and um, maximizing that singleness. And, yeah. and I think of really, like, you know the relationship that I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's even a kid involved that is not mine. Um, you sure, sure about that? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I mean, I love I love him like he's my own. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, even among that, that that's brought realities I never really thought of. And, and it presses somewhat of a father figure role. And even somewhat of a husband role, you know, in ways I never thought. Mm. And I, it's a, that's even added on to more like, man, like, you know, I'm investing into this kid and, you know, and showing him how to love his mother. <laughs> and, yeah. And between that all, like, you know, kids take time. <laughs> Lots mm-hmm. of time. And then when the kid's not around, you know, mama wants some time too. And then, <laughs> and, and then you're like, <laughs> Anyways, that's just a fun conversation. I think it plays out probably it looks different for everyone. Yeah. Um, but I also don't want to ever let that statement be an excuse of like, oh well, my discipleship merely looks at me like me discipling my kids. You know, no, no. <laughs> you're supposed to do that. You yeah. know, like that doesn't just make you a fantastic father because you're discipling your kids. You're like you were made to do that. It's like you know, but discipling other men—that's what. Has also God also calls us to continuously do 
I think you hit on a good point too there, because like situations can change the amount of time that you spend with your, you know, your significant other. Right. Um, because or discipling, you know, because um, I mean, obviously, uh, back in November was a really tough time for me and Anna with what happened with your family, mm-hmm. and so um, I found myself having to spend more time with her mm. than, and I had to kind of neglect my guy friends, which I was totally okay with, because I knew that she she needed someone there to love on her and to be there for her through that tough time. And which I'm sure they were understanding. Yeah, well. absolutely. They, they totally understood. Um, but I mean, it just, you know, it's like you said, there's, like, there's those circumstances, like, you know, like the, the girl you love has a, has a child, and so... T- investing time with the child, and then once the kid goes to bed, investing time into the, you know, to your girl, and then, then your bros. It's just yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Man. Well, anyways, that's a that's a good discussion. Yeah. Want to see where you you were on that? How you know how was life playing out for y'all too? Um, yeah. um. So you brought up something earlier in our discussion beforehand, kind of changing gears a little bit. Okay. About the guy calling Southeastern a was it a cultural Marxist <laughs> school? Go into some details about that. <laughs> I, I finally like simmered down a little bit about this, but this this tweet I think there is a tweet and a few videos that came out within the past two three months, and then it, the far-right Republican conservative side of uh, evangelical, you know, thought has been highly provoked by Southeastern, apparently. And, and now I'm provoked by them. Um, <laughs> I mean, I love our school, and which I assure you do as well. Um, there are times. <laughs> yeah. I love the school. Then, right, right. I love the school, yeah. There is no doubt I have my critiques. I mean, I think if you go to an institution and you agree with everything they do, then there's probably something wrong. But you're missing. Uh, you're probably indoctrinated and just, you know, completely brainwashed. <laughs> you're out of marks in school. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, I, can, I can think, you know, I can uh, have critical thinking here. I mean, that's what Southeastern teaches us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and even towards them. And they, and I think uh, they take criticism really well. They do. Um, and they teach how to take it well, which is, you know, why as soon as I saw this, you know, we didn't post this video three weeks ago or it's like, oh, these people, you know, start naming <laughs> names and throwing stuff on the mic and whatever. But, um, yeah, so let's let's just walk into this and I just want to kind of hear your thoughts. I know I have mine. I've talked to a few uh, people around campus and everybody's kind of got a uh, different view on what they think about it. Um, but so, so I, I actually haven't read the article. Okay. I, I've heard about it, so, so I don't know what I haven't. I don't, I don't I'll, I'll run you through the tweet that kind of summarizes everything. Okay. Um, and I kind of layered it out in the points that I shared with you, um, kind of talking through four different points. Because um, I think it addresses the dude addresses four different concerns and wraps it all in one, and kind of assumes that it's all bad. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, there's a million questions that are going to come from this, um, but I'll read you a tweet, and we'll just let it flow. Um, so, I'm not going to name the name, um, but 
you know, this this guy has been a hero apologist of mine for a long time. Um, and then I think this tweet kind of muddied the waters a little bit for me. Um, not not that he isn't a great apologist. I think he's the best, one of the best we have, if not the best. Um, yeah, at the same time, that doesn't make him great at being pastoral, nor does that make him great at speaking on politics or social issues. Um, he's a fantastic theologian, a fantastic apologist. Um, but again, we all have our flaws. We all have, mm-hmm. um, you know, distorted worldviews that we're trying to fix. Right. Um, we all may change our mind in 20 years. <laughs> um, we might, and at our age, we probably could change them in five days. I mean, <laughs> yeah, never. Be honest. Um, so. If we have to recall any of this that we say, it's warranted. I guess. Yeah. I guess you know. Hey, that's that's part of doing ministry. To be honest, is learning from mistakes and and changing your you know views to a more godly, Bible-centered worldview. So, nice. Here's uh, the the tweet. It's from March 9th um, of this year. It said, "Shall we cut to the chase? Social justice, cultural Marxism, intersectionality, victimology." thinking has taken over Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. <laughs> this is a given. <laughs> then, uh, didn't give any, like, what do you think? Like, just, this is a given. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> but you're gonna be like, you're not wrong. <laughs> It's just like a really random tweet. Yeah. Was he like just sitting on the toilet one day? Like, I'm a best southeaster. This dude's all the way like halfway across the states. Like <laughs> nowhere near us, to be honest. Never went here. Never taught here. Oh my gosh. So from his tweet, Twitter, he doesn't really interact with anyone from here. <laughs> so like, what would be the definition of cultural Marxism? So, yeah, I think that was my first question, was the definitions. Because I think two things are different from the other two yeah. on this list. Um, I think, like, social justice and intersectionality is completely different from Marxism and victimology. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And um, that was my big thing. So I was like, we need to run through definitions. So you want to do that? You want to do yeah. cultural Marxist first? Because that's, I think that's the biggest claim. The other yeah. three is like, I mean, I could take that on a yeah. bad day. But cultural Marxist, that's pretty a, heavy. That's a stretch. That's a swing. <laughs> that's a stretch. All right. Let's pull up this definition. <laughs> Says it's a conspiracy theory. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Sure, we get the Webster, <laughs> not the Urban Dictionary. <laughs> I know that's what first popped up. <laughs> so, it says cultural Marxism. It's a noun. <laughs> oh, good, good. How about that? Good thing it's not a verb. Actually, a Marxist culture. Whoa, that. It's not only a government, but a culture. Okay, <laughs> a loose Marxist movement seeking to apply critical theory. To matters of family composition, gender, race, and cultural identity within Western society. So repeat the definition just to make sure everybody gets it. Yeah, absolutely. So it says that cultural Marxism is a loose Marxist movement 
seeking to apply critical theory to matters of family composition, gender, race, and cultural identity within the Western society. Interesting. Critical theory. Hmm. Yeah, critical theory needs to be defined as well. Yeah. All these big words! I'm not here for um, a dictionary. Come on, man. To be honest, though, this same guy, this is what he does whenever debating. So, there you go. Fight, fire, fuck. Um, He runs through definitions first and and we'll destroy them. Um, So, critical theory. A philosophical approach to culture, and especially to literature, that seeks to confront the social, historical, and ideological forces and structures that produce and constrain it. The term is applied particularly to the work of a French book school. So essentially, what is he? What is he saying? Our school is guilty of through cultural Marxism. Let me. Hmm. So essentially, Marxism itself is like a way to. Implement communism, yeah, essentially, mm-hmm. um, and that's I think is why it's so crazy. And so, in critical theory, so what it's saying is that I guess, <laughs> particularly cultural Marxism, is saying um, to to call us a cultural Marxism school, say that we read through literature, the way we read through literature, and the way we discuss things as a school is essentially to promote communism. Have you ever heard communism outside of history class here? Like, as an idea that needs to be, like, you know, promoted in any way? I mean, I'm in, I'm in history by Dysport right now. Take And we just, not too long ago, finished reading through the Communist Manifesto. And... It was pretty negative the, the, review, right? There was, one, there was one person who said, oh, I can kind of believe in this. <laughs> but there, most people... The most, got suspended. <laughs> The majority of the consensus was, this is a really crappy idea. We probably shouldn't go with this. Communism's never worked in a country before. <laughs> like, I, I tend to think people in Southeastern are pretty smart. You know, like, there's a few exceptions. All the, I mean, they don't last long if they don't. <laughs> this is be honest. Me and I mean, you both have experienced that firsthand. Absolutely. I mean, I think I've seen seen a solid seventy five percent of those people gone within their first year. Yeah. And if not, they got out in the second year. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't come back. Let's be honest. Yeah, true. I've only known one to come back, and now they're gone again in three yeah. months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's crazy. It's really crazy, man. I mean, I, I get his points on social justice. That's a very you know obvious term to define. Our school is a very heavily focused on speaking up for those who can't speak. Yes, and I don't I don't think that's something we should be ashamed of. Definitely, it's not something that we should worship and we should keep as our primary focus. Mm-hmm. Clearly, the gospel should be first and foremost our focus. But I think. In following Jesus' call to the Great Commission, that social justice falls under that. Mm. Um, and, you know, showing the love of Christ to others 
who can't help themselves and are in positions that either they can't help or they want out of. And just making sure that people people experience the love of Christ and they're not doing any injustice. Yeah. Um, that's not something I would be ashamed of. Um, I don't know the definition for intersectionality. Um, I'm pull it up. That's another big word. It was past six letters and I had trouble. <laughs> right. I always know, like, you know, when people say it, I know what it means, but you know what I mean? Like, I need to have an act, like, an yeah. exact definition. Absolutely. But I, before we go on from social dust, I totally agree. And I think what you said was my exact kind of sim, very similar thought was in yeah. um, being here Southeastern and experience it, and which I, you know, pretty much everyone that I've heard critique it heavily doesn't go here. Yeah. And if they did, they were online. And let's just mm-hmm. say, if you're an online student, you can't, you can't talk about the culture of the school because you have not experienced it. If you've done a hybrid, I've done I've done a total I think of myself alone I've done eight J terms, maybe nine or ten, and and but I you know I still do on campus but I know mm-hmm. so I know what that hybrid J term life is like, and you cannot get a feel of the culture of the school within a week right. or two weekends. You, you have to live here and experience. You have to go to class, interact with professors, interact with the students. And I mean, of course, the, the experience is different from everybody. It's different structures for folks. But, you know, I don't see how, if you actually went here, how you could get, you know, mm-hmm. those, those ideas. Yeah. And, and like you said, so, social justice, you know. So, I mean, I don't think, you, you can separate social from justice. Justice is a biblical uh, theme. Yeah. God, God is the one that holds the justice, you know, like, mm-hmm. he, and he is the one that allow, you know, for, uh, how you say it, he kind of gives us the scepter for those that can't speak for themselves. He gives us a charge yeah. to do, to do this. Exactly. And, um, and what, how else are you going to describe that? If we just say justice, we're not thinking of the court systems, you know, yeah. like, no, I mean, that is what we're thinking about. I mean, we may, we're, we don't have to think Judge Judy. Like, right. We think we're, yeah, <laughs> we're not necessarily thinking about, you know, those overseas in slavery or, those, you know, those here that are um, women that are being abused, uh, rape victims, you know, especially, which is a big thing that we can discuss later that came up yeah, in the absolutely. SBC. Um, you know, and so, but when you say social justice, that implies things. Yeah. And, and I think... 90% of what it implies are things that we should be able to sit there, examine, call out where believers have been wrong, uh, call out believers that have done wrong, you know, out of accountability and love, um, but also to bring justice uh, for those that are voiceless, yeah. or for those that are too weak um, to give their own voice because of what they've been through. Yeah. Um, or are going through. Right. Even, yeah. even, even so. And, um, and there's many ways to say it. Though I do agree that there is a section of social justice that, you know, is implied kind of with the regressive left yeah. that has issues, whether it's um, regarding abortion. Because as we know, most social justice warriors uh, are pretty heavy leaning towards abortion, uh, being pro-choice. Right. Which, um, you know, it's like Crowder says, you know, I'm pro-choice, but I'm for many choices, so I'm 
for contraception, uh, <laughs> abstinence, yeah. um, adoption. You know, these are the ways. Parenting. Yeah. So like, there's there's plenty of other choices, and it's cheap. Um, that's uh, a fallacy. Thinking. This, yeah. Uh, that's what I've decided. He tries to do with abortion is he tries to make it into a fallacy. There's only two options. You have right. to get an abortion or you have to have a child. And that's forcing you to do more than anything. Yeah. Honest. But that's, that's a tough yeah, that's the way we, we, <laughs> we just lost all our pro choice players. Now. <laughs> uh, well, probably didn't happen in the sorry, first place. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> but, anyways, yeah, so I, I believe there are negative things, but it's just like. The church, has, the church is doing a lot of good. And when you say church, you think of 90% of positive things. Yeah. There's 10% of those things that are terrible that the church has either done or is doing or things that need to be fixed. And that doesn't mean we just stop saying church. We stop having community, you know, yeah. because there's issues. We don't throw out social justice um, in the acts of bringing relief to these people and love for these people that Christ commands us to do. Just because there's issues with the term, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, yeah. I just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Anyways, that's. I've been really passionate about this lately. But I've been trying to make sure you know I'm getting to listen to everyone, so mm-hmm. I can, get, yeah, like I said, I mean, I don't want to pretend like there's not issues there, right? But that doesn't mean that the term itself or anything else. But anyways, um, we can move on to um, intersectionality. Sorry, I didn't mean to like bring that back around, no, no. but that was a nice soapbox. Say there, um, I feel like we're we're already getting new ideas for other podcasts. Yeah. Just not talking about those. I'm sitting here like typing on my phone. <laughs> oh, okay, next one. <laughs> but, but, I mean, I think that that's something we kind of discussed in the last meeting we had about the podcast is wanting to have more stuff about ethics because we talked about how it's important as Christians for us to be a part of our culture and to engage it but to not be of it mm. which is a fine line right and you have to be careful but you know there the things that we're talking about you know like like our school being essentially called Marxist and you know abortion and social justice these are these are very very hot topics in our mm. society and in our culture today and as Christians, I think it's important for us to share our perspective on them in a biblical, mm-hmm. in a biblical sense. Um, but yeah, uh, R- rather than seeing the difficult issues and finding a cop out, we need to fix it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, there, there are a lot of elephants in the room yeah. in our society right now. And honestly, we you know because we're, we're some we're pretty conservative on a lot of yeah. things. We we have to we have to be very careful to not become so big headed that when someone of the left um, and maybe even the regressive left and you know um, and I say regressive because they're called progressive but they're not really progressive <laughs> um, so I, I'm gonna change the term a little bit I, I'm sure somebody else has said it too so you know don't point me but um, don't at me please no. <laughs> I'm not down for it. Um, <laughs> But, anyways, um, gosh, I forgot what I was saying. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I just, what was I saying? I don't know. <laughs> Let's just move on. Intersectionality. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. So, sorry. <laughs> what I was saying was... <laughs> Please don't sounds like this. What I was saying was... <laughs> Dude, I'm not adding this. I'm going to keep it all here. All at home. All right. Um, no, so what I was saying was, is when the left does bring out things that we miss, you know, or someone more liberal and, uh, brings out things that, you know, has clearly been in our blind side, we need to appreciate that. And not only appreciate it, but we need to work on those things. Completely denying that we have ever had issues in the first place is going to keep us ex- causing the same problems that we right. have, or at least allowing us to keep existing. Yeah, I mean, we don't want to deal with the church has done in the past. We want to correct those those issues the church had of like an issue being brought up in the church, just kind of finding the easy way out, mm-hmm. if you will, and not either not addressing the issue or just, you know, going around it, just not hitting it directly, but going around it. I think it's important for Christians for us to call sin, sin, and to stand up for what we believe, regardless of the, the backlash that we may receive. Because, um, of course, we're supposed to do the truth, tell the truth in love, but we should fear fear man and fear the consequences that come from that. <clears throat> so... On to intersectionality. So the, the here's the strict definition, and I'm going to summarize it. So intersectionality means the interconnected nature of social categorizations such as race, class, and gender as they apply to a given individual or group regarded as creating overlapping and interdependent systems of discrimination or disadvantage. So essentially... Um, so you have race, disability, nationality, gender identity, sexual orientation, and whatever's going on in these little realms, realms, <laughs> these little realms, the, these realms um, is their their intersection to where this uh, because the certain person has you know one, two, and three of these things, then they're being marginalized, or they have uh, all five, they're being marginalized. Got you. Um, kind of like. Um, you know, like um, black liberal uh, Muslim is, you know, kind of that identity. So everyone kind of is going down this path of, um, you know, if you're this kind of, and it's kind of, this is kind of connected with victimology um, because you've lived this life, because you've grown up in these certain ways, uh, certain ways, or because you're female, because you're black, and because um, you're Muslim, then you're going to be marginalized and you're going to be a victim uh, 10 times more than a white Christian male would. Or you're starting off on a lower realm, or on top of that, you could be, you have less advantage than that. Like, you're not going to be able to go as far because you're those things. Or, I don't know. I don't see that at all in our school. Yeah. At all. No. I mean... Our school is just a huge melting pot. Like, I know people from Nepal, I know people from Venezuela, I know people from, you know, I know people from all over the United States, mm-hmm. I know people from Africa, like, just, I know people from all over the world, and I don't see that. I don't see us injecting them with this culture of... You've had it rough? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. It's, it's like empowering them to and empowering and encouraging them 
to take what they've learned in this school and do it and, and go and use it for the glory of God. That's what I see. I don't see. Yeah. I, don't, I don't see that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't. And let's be honest. You know, neither of us are um, anything far from what they would claim is this, <laughs> the best starting position as a right. white Christian male. Um, but we do interact with you know many that do, and we grew mm-hmm. up with many that mm-hmm. you know are in the areas that we're not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't want to say that there clearly are some probably like racist things that might go down on campus. Not saying not mm-hmm. saying it slurs or anything, but we do go. We are a college on a seminary campus with like sixty-year-old men that haven't necessarily changed on some things. It's in the south, right? Right. <laughs> so yeah. we we already have a few disadvantages on that one. Yeah. But I know that you know. I guess some people rather like that. I don't know. I figured like. I think our biggest goal is a seminary for things like that and not to happen. And that's yeah. supposed to be a good thing. But what the big argument that they keep bringing this up and saying that the school supports intersectionality is from the King of Diversity program. Oh my gosh. Is because, you know, certain people get scholarships that um, it's because they're victims. Now, what do you think? That's bullcrap. That, that's total bullcrap. It's. It's giving them an opportunity that they wouldn't normally have. Yeah. I mean, because there are people that are in the kingdom of diversity that are from Vietnam, Vietnam, they're from from, uh, African places where they don't necessarily have the advantages that we do living in a first world country. They don't have the jobs that we have to make the money that we're able to make. And... That kingdom, the, the the kingdom diversity scholarships helps them out in a great way. Yeah, in a way that it makes a, makes it possible for them to learn learn good sound doctrine and theology, so they can do what God has called them to do. Right. Yeah. That, that's such bullcrap. That I'm, I'm I'm getting mad sitting here. So <laughs> that's, that's I'll jump in so you don't like <laughs> knock anybody out. Or, you know. <laughs> on my computer um <laughs> so yeah i think clutches computer titles. So they would say well they'll be like well see what you just said is because they didn't have a chance well they had a chance but i don't think that's true no. like so i i mean even in this apartment i'm with a dude from up north that is completely different culture um grew up in a, in a family that had many kids which means money was stretched tight sometimes i also live <laughs> in this apartment with an Asian American and yeah. and then the northerner his, <laughs> northerner uh, his his fiance is from Venezuela okay and so there's there's plenty of kingdom diversity going on here yeah. and I, I don't think we're nec- we're not uh, saying that you know oh just because they're a different race they've had a bad so here we go handle money they right, see right, right. some of the, the like I can't name these names, but they would not be here uh, either financially or because they're from overseas without a scholarship. Mm. And and at the same time, I they I guess people look at it because he's like the same dude says, "Oh, you want to see intersectionality? Well, go go look at their website. Look at Kingdom University. It's right as clear as your nose on your face." And um, 
and, and you go to look and and it's like, okay, but you haven't been on campus again. And if you would have, you would have known this. But dude, there might still be only ten black people at the school. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like we're just it's not like Harvard where we've handed out so many scholarships to Asians that we're having to set other people again because we <laughs> we've accepted too many Asians. Like it's it's still like an eighty five percent to maybe ninety percent you know prominent prominently white school, and, and not you know, but the kingdom of heaven is not like that. Absolutely. And you know everyone's like, and the same guys talking about you know, um, he's talking about uh, the the black churches having issues because they focus on social justice issues instead of the reformed gospel. And he, he literally said John Calvin was such a he didn't say the scripture. <laughs> Which is, oh is like, oh dude, come on. But um and that's no bash on reform people. I mean, we're both pretty reformed. Yeah, I'm very um but that, that's just totally misleading. The the pro the the problem with the black church, you know, and I'm not trying to say they're a bunch of robbers. I can't speak to that as much. But, you know, I know a lot of friends that are in the black church that say there are, you know, they're trying to discuss them and they're saying, hey, our, we haven't had good leadership for a long time. You know, we've let guys in that's never went to seminary. We've had guys that went to terrible seminaries. You know, like there's a big issue here. And so what do we need? How are you going to change the church? Have good pastors that get, went to great seminaries and learned how to exposit scripture properly. Mm-hmm. And if we're allowing that to happen, and enabling it, you know, in some way, in ways that wasn't happening before, because I'm pretty much like a lot of the people in King University I know won't be there unless they got the scholarship. Yeah. And and this even goes for like Nepal and Venezuela and whatnot. I mean, we've seen what Venezuelans going for. They they need the gospel, man. Yeah, they really it is do. it is rough down there. And, and, and it's getting rough in Nepal too because it's illegal to share the gospel in that nation. Exactly. It's getting tough. And so it, you know, in order to allow these churches to have better theology and to grow and be able to get out of these social problems because the social problems is a gospel issue. We're not saying that, you know, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, social, you know, issues, social justice addresses are essentially at the heart gospel issues. But, you know, we fix these things, we fix our leaders in the church, then the white church will thrive, the black church will thrive, uh, Venezuelan, Iranian, and, you know, Nepal, like all of them, what you know, and, and essentially the church because we can't be separating this like yeah. this. It is the kingdom of heaven, kingdom diversity. This is what we want. We want. We don't want there to have to be in ten years the distinction that that's a black church or white church. It wants to be a church. <laughs> yeah. We we don't want to have to make that distinction because there's either all theologies or because there's a majority. Anyway, sorry, I, I got really passionate there. But. Yeah, no, yeah, no, it's good, dude. I mean, it's, it's a good conversation, and I mean, you, you hit on a lot of good points, and something you said that really stuck out. You said how like social justice is, is a gospel issue, and it makes a lot of sense because a lot of the injustices that are that call for social justice stem from sin. Yes, which in turn is a gospel issue. And Precisely. Yeah, that, that's that's a, that's a really good point. Really good point. So we have one more point left that um, this <laughs> idiot um, wrote, and it's it was victimology. Yeah, 
Which still, yeah, ties in really deeply with intersectionality. Well, let's might as well pull up the definition since we've been doing that for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's best to define the term. So victimology is the study of the victims of crime and the psychological effects on them of their experience. Um, it also says the possession of an outlook arising uh, from real or imagined victimization that seems to glorify and indulge the state of being a victim. And we're not saying these things don't exist in other areas. Right. What we're saying here is that Southeastern is not this place. <laughs> um, that, I mean, to deny that these things exist would be ignorant. Because they probably take place in the majority of public schools in this nation. Yes. I, and <laughs> I, 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 we, we grew up during this change. I mean, I remember... Unfortunately. <laughs> I, I can remember... Uh, praying in a classroom, you know, hand over heart to the uh, allegiance to the flag every single morning. I can't too, but I was homeschooled. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I, I mean, even in public school, too, when I was graduating, like, to be a conservative was a shame. It mm -hmm. was a shameful thing. And to have any type of conservative thought, and, and there were just, you know, I was literally went to a school where, um, Social as socialism itself was indoctrinated within a program, um, and now I'm not gonna lie. There's a lot of things that I learned going through that program and changed my, my mind. And maybe not then, but later down the road. Not that socialism's good, but kind of on this stuff. That's like okay, just because there's a lot of negative doesn't mean that there's some positive. Mm -hmm. But Anyways, we've solved this shit. So we're not denying that this is in probably public schools. This, we know it's in many universities. I mean, not even here, but across the world, we saw terrible things where the UK banned. Um, not the UK. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> where, uh, they bring Yeah. It's, gosh. Uh, where New Zealand banned Jordan Peterson's book, <laughs> um, a self-help book due to just one guy that caused a bunch of terrible harm. Um, and, and quoting his name um, within his manifesto, even though he says he doesn't agree with conservatism, he doesn't agree with Christianity, he doesn't agree with capitalism, which this one guy, that, that uh, Jordan Peterson, would say are great things. Now, he obviously does critique everything. Right. I mean, that's, that if Jordan Peterson would not be Jordan Peterson if he didn't critique every single thing that crossed his mind. Uh, you no. go to any of his lectures, you go to any of his conferences, you see how he thinks because he thinks out loud. He never, he doesn't really write scripts beforehand. At least that's what he said when he he taught in my place, um, and when he taught in Raleigh, right. and me and Chef got to go and enjoy. He does a lot of it offhand. I mean, clearly that's he impressive. studies a lot, that's but impressive. it's cool how he's able to think through that. And it's like Robbie Zacharias; he does the exact same thing. Just yeah, no notes, just good to look up. And. So, so, yeah. Anyways, like I said, we're not denying it. So, so here's our confirmation that these are legit things. Um, yeah. Just in case you don't you know, agree with us. Um, you can at least have that. So, <clears throat> so, what do you think? You see that Southeastern? You see people playing into the victim card even if they don't have it? I mean, of course you're going to have your exceptions. Yep. Um, I think there are people... Um, I guess as an institution. As an institution? What I be asking. No, yeah. no, not as an institution. From what I have seen um, at the school, they, they, t they, I see the 
the encouragement. I see them tell people that they're more than conquerors than Christ. They're not the victim. Mm. They're conquerors because of Christ. Right. <clears throat> it's just like, yeah, what you might, which what you went through, that 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 sucks and that, that's really unfortunate. And I've seen them help people through those rough areas. I've seen them help people who have gone through abuse. See people who, um, who are recovering from drugs. See people who are recovering mentally from rape and all these horrible things that have happened in their life. And I see how the school is empowering them to work through it and to also turn first to Christ, turn to his word, and and then just work on work on moving forward. I mean, obviously, you can't forget the past because it's something that happened. But also, it, it just help, it helps them deal with it, hmm. um, not proclaim it. Yeah. Um, obviously, they, they can proclaim it as far as a testimony, but not proclaiming it in the sense of, "Oh, I'm a victim." Um, yeah, that that's that's my thoughts on it. How about you? Yeah, I, I mean, I'd agree, and I think you could even see that in one of our professors of writing this weekend, um, as she, in light of all um, the SBC sex scandals that we saw, um, the, you know, terror, ter- it's just so hard, man. Um, the terrible story of the victims, um, the rape victims, um, are just, it's heartbreaking. And, mm-hmm. you know, you read, you look at all 700 cases and it's like, this happened here, you know, mm-hmm. like this is an issue. Not like if we're not addressing this as a seminary, as one of the heads of the SBC, what are we doing? But and I think the way that we're addressing it as well, and I see we saw this even in our staff member. I'm not going to say her name because I don't think she actually put it in the article, but I know somebody else has said it. But I'm not going to do that now. Yeah, but she kind of told. She told her story of what she went through. And um, she's kind of talking about the Me Too movement. She's talking about, you know, saying no more. And, um, yeah, she's essentially, her article, though, is not just claiming victim and saying, hey, there's an issue and pointing fingers. Rather, she's saying, um, I've been there. But then she lays out every way, she, not every way, but she lays out pretty much a, a vision yeah. for where we're supposed to go. And I think that represent, represents the institution well. It represents our faculty well. And she's a woman that's been a victim, and she does it better than anyone could. Mm. I, know a lot of our, I know a lot of us have been addressing it. I know a lot of professors have been addressing it. But if anyone could do this best, it was her. Um and we might can go. We'll go and put put that uh, put that link and it, uh, links to the other things we've been talking about. We'll go and put it on the website. Yeah. That way, y'all guys can check it out as well. Um, but yeah, man, I just don't. I mean, I get it. There are some people that, and I, and we've talked about this. There's been you know some girls in the college that has lied about their stance on um, like things that's happened to them, and we mm-hmm. find out it's not true. And it's sad. It's like, man, that shouldn't happen. You can't be feeding off people like that. You can't be feeding off victimhood, you know, like that. But at the same time, 
Um, and we don't ever want, and, and like, you know, the law, the law that we live under, law of the land, and assuming innocence before guilt um, mm-hmm. of a person, we still have to hold to that, you know, out of respect for the law, but, um, and out of respect for that person in case they are innocent. Um, but that doesn't mean that we deny victims what they um, deserve, the love that we're supposed to give them, but the affirmation um, of you've been here mm-hmm. and we're going to get you help for that. Um, and sometimes before saying, hey, we have a place for you to go, you know, God has a place for you to go, there's better things waiting for you, sometimes you got to sit there and just hug that girl that you know? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just got to listen and learn to shut up. You know, and we as SBC don't do that well. We don't learn to just listen. Yeah. We we speak way too often when we need to shut up. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's just where we're at, man. Uh, I think it's really sad um, because I agree with the hashtag Me Too movement. Yeah. In cases where the girl t- is telling the truth or the guy is telling the truth, um, yeah, and I didn't want to assume that that was just women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I just know the majority is. Yeah, the large majority, unfortunately, is women. But um, yeah, I think it's really unfortunate that you have those people that do lie, because then it ruin it ruins it for those who are telling the truth. Yeah, and it makes and that's the the worst injustice there. Yeah, it, it makes it harder, um, harder for the victim. It makes it harder for the church. Um, yeah, it 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 sucks that. I, I mean, I honestly I can't count how many girls I've I know and I've met who have s- suffered some sort of um, being raped, molested. Mm-hmm. abuse I can't count I've, I've lost track which is really it's it's, it's like shame on shame on the guys um, who have done this to, to the, the girls I know mm-hmm. um, but you know it's it's also very encouraging at the same time to see how God has worked in their lives and how God is using them is using their story to yes. talk to other girls mm-hmm. and other people who have been through the same thing and help um, help th- help other people find freedom through them sharing their testimony. Yeah, I think that's Absolutely. just man. Yeah. I mean, we've even got to see that. Um, I personally have got to see that even with. My significant others, as we know, she's gone through a lot in the past few years, um, and in her past relationship, um, terrible things. But now she's able to use that, um, what she's gone through, and the, the redeeming work Christ has done in, in her life in so many different areas to yeah. um, lead others to Christ, to have those gospel conversations, to, to comfort women around her. Um, you know, she, she helps um, lead a group every week that just kind of um, all, have all dealt with this, you know. 
and it's a it's a big part of her ministry. It, it, you know, it's, it's supposed to be. Yeah, it's not supposed to be. It's a true testament to God holding true His promise of saying that you know He does work all things for our good. Yeah, and that's such an encouragement. Um, it's been such a blessing to see that in the women that I know, seeing how God has taken a really, really crappy circumstance and used it ultimately for his glory mm-hmm. and is continuing to do so. Um, yeah, that, that was some good uh, good discussion on the, on a, <coughs> the idiot. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, man, I don't want to ever say that, you know, grace isn't enough for someone that has abuse in them, because it is. Yeah. Because, you know, God hurts, you know, but there are earthly consequences for things that we've done. Mm-hmm. We can't be, um, I don't want to say like the Catholic Church, but we can't be like organizations yeah. that cover up or play priest um, just because somebody's offended. You know? You have to be wary. You have to be uh, as gentle as doves and as wise as serpents. Yeah. And, and we also, we don't hold we don't hold other standards, you know. If a woman does this to a man, like, you can check my Twitter, dude. Like, um, <laughs> not like that's the whole representation of <laughs> the uh, Southeastern. Um, I, I don't know if I necessarily want to be that guy, but in some way I do on this podcast. But, I mean, like, I called out Cardi B. Like, you know, she got hashtag surviving Cardi B. She got, you know, she came forward about, not like in a courtroom, but on Instagram, saying that she drugged men and robbed them. And I was like, nah, that ain't good, dog. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's not right. And um, we can't hold double standards. You know, if if a man drugged a woman and took her money or did anything worse to her and said, well, I had to survive, it was rough times, we wouldn't take it seriously. You know, we'd be like, no, that's not right, dude. Mm-hmm. You got some consequences to face, you know? Yeah. And, you know, if I might let Cardi B off that leash, either. But, and again, I'm, I'm not a huge, you know, proponent to the world right now, but I'm a believer, and I have a purpose, and I'm going to speak truth in life. So, it's like, you do too. So. Amen. Well, I think that was a good discussion. I think that's all we have for this episode of the Crimson Anchor Ministry Podcast. I'm excited for future episodes and future discussions. This is a whole lot of fun. Yeah, um, man. And I'm super excited uh, to share uh, to share with y'all the uh, the topics and stuff that's on our heart. And I know all episodes won't be like this. We won't always agree on every single thing <laughs> that's brought up. Um, true, true. But yeah, good discussion, dude. Yeah, I appreciate um, it, man. Yeah, thanks for we love y'all and. Yeah, thank you again for listening. If you stuck in this long, you're you're awesome. And um, and if you disagree with us and still stuck around, you're you know we really we really respect that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's hard to listen to opposing views and um, and appreciate them and, yeah. and debate well with them. So. That that's a rare quality in this generation is indeed listening to opposing points of view because we're taught in our culture to oppose the opposing views. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you guys enjoyed the episode, give us a follow, give us a like, and we'll see you next time. Y'all have a good one. Bye-bye.